pad up. It's the Australian Cricket Podcast. And here are your hosts. Welcome to the Australian Cricket Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Mensel, a.k.a. Menas. And joining me for this edition of the podcast, I have my good friend from News Corp, James McSmith. How are you, Macca? I'm very well, Menas, and thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I've borrowed that intro from the ra- intro you get on SCN Sports Radio <laughs> when they ask you about uh, the rugby league. They go, Macca from News Corp, so that's my yeah. new intro on the show. Yeah, thank you, mate. Thank you very much. No rugby league talk, though, on this podcast, please. And the other panellist making his return from a one-match suspension is Joe Carse. Welcome back, Joe. How are you? I'm very well, Menas, and I'm uh, honoured to be here in the presence of the other founders of the Australian Cricket Podcast. Now, both of you didn't want to bring up the the events that happened on episode 175 of this show. There's, there was a few regrettable incidents that happened. But let's start with a Twitter poll. So after that show, and we had some messages thrown around between us, I put a Twitter poll up on the uh, Twitter, obviously, asking who is who the listeners consider as our most popular regular panellist. And I got a, a fair a degree, a fair amount of votes in, and the results came back as a tie for first. So well done, Macca. 33% of the votes favoured you and Paul. So you tied with Paul as yeah, the most well, popular regular panellist. Well, Paul's 4,000 Twitter accounts would have voted for him, wouldn't have they? It's so. fair to say that Paul has quite a bit of time on his hands to vote for himself at <laughs> yes. the moment. So I'll, I'll claim that went on count back. Thank you. And, uh, Gav, Gav was... Uh, in second position, or sorry, third position, uh, on 26%. Well, Gav's coming his, up the rear, Joe... Gav's had his family members in India voting for him. So There's that some sour grapes that. here from Joe coming out. Have you seen the results? Cause Joe, you, I think you got one or two votes, and you only got 8%. Ow. So uh, after, your, after the regrettable comments made on the episode 175, the listeners have spoken about what is appropriate for the Australian Cricket Podcast. Fair enough, manners. It's going to be um, clean and straight to the point today. And speaking of which, let's get on to the cricket. <laughs> oh, he's moved on very quickly. Well, listeners, uh, that's it, Joe. That's the most contrition you've shown since the incident. So um, I'm happy about that. Stunned silence in the room at the moment. Well, listeners, enjoy the show. We're going to review the great escape that there was the third test. And then we've got some read and react. The Australian and Indian media are at loggerheads as well as the cricket teams. And then we're going to wrap this show up with what's made us happy in the last week. All right, let's get this show on the road and review the third test, a miraculous draw for Australia. But one thing that came out of this test match for me was as this test series goes on, I like Virat Kohli less and less. And his shenanigans on the final afternoon when he kept all the players and the umpires out there right until the bitter end. It was just ridiculous. What do you guys think of Virat Kohli's behaviour? Well, man, it's from the start of this series, I know we've been talking about it, and you've been you've obviously changed your tune now that Kohli has really shown his true colours. Because you, you uh, were an unabashed fan of Virat Kohli at the start of this series, which really surprised me. But I think it's just emblematic. He's just a spoiled child. He hasn't been reined in by anyone. Of course, he's a fantastic cricketer, but it's kind of emblematic of the age of sports stars who just no one sort of reins him in, no one says no to them, and, and he's just unraveled completely out of control. And I think... Joe, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, but it, it's probably somewhat a reaction to how badly he's batted in this series. That somehow he has to get in the series. He hasn't been able to do his bat. He's talking with his bat. He's been terrible with a bat. And really, his true colours have shown out. It's been well, disgraceful. I, I agree, man. Uh, Macker, he's obviously under pressure, both personally, you know, due to poor form, and the series is a lot closer than I think anyone was expecting. 
But I think if you're an Indian supporter, I'd love the way that Kohli has actually reacted to the situation because he's, he, he's one of those guys that just does not take a backward step. And I actually think if you look at the captains that have had a, a real impact on the Aussie side, they're, they're characters like Faf Duplessis and like Virat Kohli, you know, those who don't take a backward step. And if, and if you sledge them, they'll sledge you back. So if I was an Indian supporter, I wouldn't be too perturbed by what's going on in this test. In fact, I'd like it. Menes, you, you mentioned contrition at the start of the program, and let's look at you know Faf was caught red-handed cheating, wasn't he? He was he was do- he was playing with the ball, and, and he never admitted. He never said, "Look, I made a mistake. I'm sorry." Virat Kohli clearly made some comments about Australia allegedly cheating. He couldn't back those up. He never said sorry. Faf never said sorry. Steve Smith makes an honest mistake. He calls it a brain fade. He says sorry. It's a great example to all of us, to the children, to all of us in all walks of life, that it's not too hard. It's not. Sometimes you need to say sorry. And why well, can't Coley say that? It's an interesting comparison there because one of the things I really like about Smudger Smith is that he plays hard. I mean, no one is more headstrong in the contest than Smith. But he's likable at the same time. So he's, he's able to achieve something that like Ponting wasn't able to achieve, which is play the game really hard but be a good, fair character. And I think that's why James Sutherland and everyone has got around Smith is because he's such a good young kid, right? And he's, I think his heart's in the right place. I actually think that this series is now coming to a pretty sweet crescendo. And part of that is the tension between the two teams. And this has been the pattern of you know Australia and Indian Test Series going back to you know, Monkey Gate and even before that, they are really, really hard fought series. And I think this is just going to be a, a great last test, which we'll talk about later. It's a great series, a great end to that game for Australia to get through for a draw. But I think Virat Kohli has messed up this test, this last test match. He should have been pushing much harder for India to win that test match when they got in front. And I think on that fourth day, mm. Pujara and Sahas go slow with the bat, where they hardly Ooh. scored in the first two sessions, showed a real lack of foresight from Virat Kohli because had India had another session to bowl at Australia, we could be talking about a different result here. So in yeah. the end, Virat Kohli has let all this stuff with the shoulders and everything get to him and he hasn't been focused on the game. And he perhaps cost India not only this this last test match, but the whole series and the Border Gavaskar Trophy. Yeah, well, I think Matthew Hayden was commentating for part of that sort of uh, section of the test manners, and he pointed out that they really needed to put the foot down to the to the floor on the accelerator. I think if you were going to give an instruction, you would have said to Saha, you know, license to hit. I think you needed Pajara there kind of, you know, anchoring the innings. But I agree that um, the message should have gone out a lot sooner to, to Saha to really start hitting out because I think if they could have put on 100 quickly on that four, late on that fourth day... Um, it would have changed the whole complexion of the fifth day. Of course it would have. I mean, we lost two wickets before Stumps on the fourth. They had we had the whole session to bat on that fourth afternoon. It could have been very different result. But let's go back to the beginning of this test match. Uh, the two big selections for Australia, Glenn Maxwell came in at number six, which I think I was really happy about. What were you guys? I agree. I think we were all calling for Maxwell to be picked. I mean, you, it's a no-brainer to me, a... 
batting first of all a guy whose whose strength is batting at number 6 i think is is necessary and secondly a, a spinning all-rounder in india is clearly the best option so and i had i had maxwell as you know men as in my original um 11 so so yeah f- fully support it Paddy Cummins, though, was an interesting one. I wasn't so happy with his selection leading up to it, but I think they did. They, they made the right selection in the end. It was a good gamble uh, to get him in there. Obviously, he took some crucial wickets. I think with the selection of Pat Cummins, I would say that there are almost like two categories of, of players. There's the players that need to do the apprenticeship and do their time, and then you've got the prodigies. You know the, the even you know the Michael Clarks, the batsmen who get picked early. Cummins Ricky is Ponting. A, Cummins is a total prodigy. So I, I agree with that policy that is, whenever he's fit, he should be picked. He's he's that talented. It's an interesting message though. If you're the third quick on tour, and then someone gets injured, and they bring someone from outside the group straight into the eleven. Jack, you talk about Jackson. Yeah, Bird I just in think particular. it's a strange, it's a strange yeah, way they, of selecting the, a squad. The selectors don't care about pecking orders or motivation or that kind of thing. Look what they've, you know, look what they've done to Uzi Kawaja. So they, they, they who? <laughs> they've forgotten about him, Joe. The, the, well, the, you know, the guy who's got probably the best record of any Australian batsman over the last twenty-four months. Take Smith out of the equation. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about Steve Smith. He won a very good toss in the third test match, but the bad tour for David Warner continued when he fell for 19 on the first morning and he hit a rankful toss back to Ravindra De- Jadeja. Man, and off- he must be considered a flat track bully now. At home, he averages almost 60. In his away test matches, he averages about thirty-five. I well, mean, it's a huge difference. Well, man, is uh, that dismissal? Have you have you really? Uh, that's it was a backyard cricket dismissal. It was just so bad. And I'm a fan of Warner's, but I, I guess you know it, it's now tempered those fantastic innings he has played, obviously in Sydney recently. It is very much tempered by his lack of oomph. Out well, of Australia. He hasn't shown the ability well, to be able to adapt to conditions where the ball is not coming on. I was just about to say, it's not. So I think flat, flat track bully is the wrong phraseology because what he needs is the ball coming onto the bat. He needs pace and bounce. That's when he flourishes. But I think the, the question is, Menas, is that in India, obviously, they can bring the spinners on in the first sort of 20 overs. And so Warner probably needs to rework some of his patterns and some of his thinking to facing spin earlier in his innings I mean I know when we had Trent Woodhill on the show he said that everyone's message to Warner is just play your natural game but that doesn't work if you've got if you're facing spin within you know 10 or 15 overs does it you can't just hit out no but I just think you know if you got that full toss at home in the SCG test that you brought up, What's a he'd probably hit it, hit it twenty rows back. But you know he's so tense and worried about his performance over there. It's really affecting his game. I heard him interviewed today, and he seems to be in this bubble where he he hasn't really worked out how to succeed on the subcontinent yet. That's what, I, and obviously the results show. He's, Whereas his method, say for Smith, has worked out a method. I think Warner hasn't yet. Well, he's he's not really a thinking man, Dave Warner. So he's not going to think his way out of this issue. I'd, <laughs> You know, he's, We're going back to the early will, will days. Will his OLED TV point. help, Joe? He, he may be able to review some of the footage <laughs> on his OLED TV when he's back for the summer. On his couch. Anyway, yeah. so Warner <laughs> messed up a start, out for 19. Matty Renshaw messed up his start. He was out for 44. And I think those two innings in particular came to bite Australia later in the test match when it was evident that our first inning score of 451 wasn't enough. Renshaw just uh, nibbled at one outside off stump for 44. That was a poor shot, wasn't it? Because yeah. he was in. 
but played away his, from the body. He's faced a lot of balls this tour. I think. Um, oh, he's a big he, tick for the series. Yeah, he, he can be allowed that one, but it was a bad dismissal. But then, um, Joe, Joe, you will remember somebody didn't want him in the side. Oh. Well, we we should probably do some reviews of we that, should. the we predictions should. at the end. Well, of no, the show. honestly, because yeah. I, I got a lot wrong. Too. I'm willing to say I got a lot wrong, but Paddy Cummins not playing, I got wrong. Obviously, his results in the last Test match were good, and Renshaw I got wrong, but Shaw Marshall got right, and he batted very well in this Test match. He failed in the first innings. Peter Hanscom failed, and at that point, when Glenn Maxwell came out to bat, Australia were on the ropes, four for 140 on a pitch and conditions that really 500 was a pass score, and we were so far away. Glenn Maxwell in his return Test match. I mean, the stage was set, the theatre was there. It was all up to India here to just run through Australia and really take hold of this series, but it didn't happen that way. Smith brought up his 19th Test century. He went past 5,000 test runs. His average of 61.47 is the third highest ever. He got to 5,000 test runs in the quickest number of innings, just behind someone called Don Bradman and Matt Hayden. I mean, where, where do we start and end with Steve Smith? It's, it's pretty simple. On this trajectory, he's going to be quite clearly Australia's second best ever test batsman. There's going to be some clear air between Greg Chappell, Ricky Ponting, him and then obviously the Don. So, I mean, he's he's just rewriting the record. I, I didn't think that we would see somebody fill that gap, but but Smith is, you know, unless he has a big fall away in the second half of his career, a bit like Ponting had, there's no doubt that he's going to be up there. I guess the doubt is to his technique would be that because he's got a lot of moving parts and he seems to have this sort of home fashion technique, if he's reflexes start to drop off a little bit will his technique be able to cope with that it's it's a fair point because to do what he does which is essentially he will back his eye to make contact with the ball he'll he'll give away his stump sometimes sometimes he'll play in front of his pad and basically you miss the ball and you're out right that's how far he's moving across so if your reflexes are off by just a percentage point that whole technique falls down but I think men as he's, he's years how old is he? he's 27 seven so he's I'd say he's probably got eight years before his reflexes start to come off in that eight years on this trajectory he's going to rewrite the record books and that was just an amazing innings but what about Glenn Maxwell he, he made 104 a breakthrough test century uh, I mean, dare I say it was the perfect Glenn Maxwell innings. He showed aggression when it was needed. He played a straight bat. He was patient. He took toll of the tiring bowl- bowlers. I mean, it was everything we'd imagine Glenn Maxwell could be. Man, as, I guess what I don't understand is why has he been so underestimated, Glenn Maxwell? He obviously had that little spat with the Victorians at the start of the summer. Then Actually, he... you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I want to bring that up. I didn't write it in the notes. <laughs> How bad does Victorian well, cricket it's, look? It's I mean, what terrible. they did to Glenn Maxwell, mm. everyone is queuing up to leave there. Mm. Wade's leaving, Stoinis is leaving, Maxwell's leaving. They're all queuing up mm. to leave Cricket Victoria and they look like fools fools not picking Glenn Maxwell at the beginning of this summer and making him play grade cricket and now he's scoring test centuries barely six months later I mean honestly take a look at yourself cricket Victoria but it it went throughout the whole summer he got the slap on the wrist for speaking his mind about Wade and then he's left out of the ODI series for Travis Head and I think Rodney Hogg made Rodney Hogg made a good point on radio yesterday that like that they just haven't really 
procured him, I don't know, groomed him, brought him along. He had to do it himself. And I think, for, you know, when you talk about his development, his maturation, manners, is that in that innings that he sat on balls and blocked away and defended, and then when he saw the opportunity to smash a ball out of the park, he did, which is something that he hasn't shown that he could do in the past. It, it was a real coming of age. And I think it, again, points us down the path that there are some people who you've got to pick on talent. And We've been saying this for years. I, I can't believe the selectors took so long to actually get him back in the side. It, it, it look as Mac has said, it's a bit embarrassing in hindsight. Well, I, I think you even had your doubts about Maxwell's test credentials a year ago. So I think I, that was more like three years ago. But, but yes, I mean, I, the question mark over Maxwell was: Does he have the temperament and to look at our knuckle results, down? You look at the results that the number six have been getting for Australia for the last three years. They're barely averaging twenty. Our number six position is barely averaging 20 so the fact that it took so long for Maxwell to get I, back is strange I've, but men as I've always found it weird that number six is where Mike Hussey was batting and yet we have tolerated people averaging under 20 in that spot well, it's that fixation with the all-rounder and speaking of that all-rounder one of our favorite players Shane Watson one of our podcast favorites uh, Glenn Maxwell joined Shane Watson as the only two Australian players to score a century in all three formats of cricket for Australia, T20, 50 over and Test Cricket. So well done, Maxie. Uh, just on those comments about Glenn Maxwell, uh, he talked after that innings about he had some self-doubt after the axing in Victoria than the way he was treated by, by the Aussie leadership group. He had self-doubts whether he'd ever make it back to Test Cricket, but he said... He kept in constant contact with the Australian team management, telling them what he was doing. So obviously, there's a re- he's trying to sort of work his way back into their good books. So I, I guess is a way of reading that. And then the other thing which I found most interesting that Glenn Maxwell talked about using Steve Smith as an inspiration for him. The way Steve Smith was able to change perce- and change perceptions that Smith was just his bits and pieces all rounder. Obviously, we've talked about the best since Bradman, and he talked about that being an inspiration for him, which I found quite insightful. Man, can I just say, so what happens with Glenn, the big show, Maxwell, from here? Because we'll go back to Usman Khawaja, and he was generally considered to have played a coming-of-age innings at Adelaide, I think it was, when yeah. he put that magnificent innings together. And now he can't even, you know, a few tests later, he's not even in the side. So I, well, I would love Maxwell to be number six for the next Five, six, seven, eight, nine years. This is so. This is where Menes's horses for courses theory and my pick and stick theory kind of come into you know tension. They collide. Right? They collide, Macca. They they collide. M- my problem here is that is that you burn guys' conf- like you, Mac. Is it any surprise that Maxwell was low on confidence? Like, and will it be any surprise if Kawaja, when he gets picked next time, will be low on confidence? That's the problem with the horses for courses. Is that you know, you've just basically burned 24 months of good form that Aussie had by not picking him for a series. Well, one all in the series. The selectors have done the right thing. I mean, Marsh saved, you don't Marsh know that. saved that game for us, and you're saying, oh, worried about Kawaja's confidence. No, well, Kawaja could have could have been in for any one of the top six. It's not as. Like, Did you see Kawaja in Sri Lanka last season? Imagine he'd done that in this season. I can't guarantee his confidence would be pretty low. Man, as we could be up. We could have won that second test if we batted better. 
if Maxwell had come in earlier, say for argument's sake, if Kawaja was there, true. we could be in complete control of this series. That's what I. That's what kind of upsets me, irks me when I think back to how well we have gone, but we could have gone better. Anyway, let's continue. Let's continue on with this test match. Smith and Maxwell got Australia to four fifty one. Wade and O'Keefe chipped in, and uh, I think Smith was one hundred and seventy eight not out, and Australia's four fifty one in ended up not being enough. India went in reply at one stage with six for 328. And at that stage, Australia maybe could have stolen a lead. But Pujara, painful Pujara, as I'm calling him, How goes slow. Go. Oh, <laughs> so boring. 524 <laughs> balls of hell. You're just, I mean, you're just lauding Steve Smith. Have you seen his figures for the last 12 months? I mean, they're Yeah, but incredible. at least Smith does it at more attractive run rate. Get this, 2.87 was India's run rate. It's the lowest among their 27 600-plus totals. So, Virat Kohli, honestly, if you take a look at yourself in the mirror, all bluster about aggression and no deliverance on the field. So, in that innings of 9 for 603, Australia delivered a massive 210 overs. And... We all love Steve Smith. We've just said it. But what the hell was he thinking? Glenn Maxwell bowled four overs in 210 overs. Absolutely ridiculous. Can either of you give me some idea of what was going through Steve Smith's brain? Well, he, uh, he doesn't rate Maxwell as a bowler. That's why Travis Head was bowling instead of him in the one-day series. Yeah, I mean, do you think he forgot Maxwell was out there? Oh, uh, it, was, it was very strange. And you had, I, I think, Lyon with a massive like split in his bowling finger. O'Keefe bowled 77 overs. Yeah. As he was joking, he almost got a new ball himself. Man, as I'm more concerned about Cummins, 39 overs. Hazelnut, like, 44. I know, but Hazelnut's got that fitness. Hazelnut that, can bowl all yeah, day. Yeah, he's a, he's just a metronome like McGrath was, wasn't he? But the so, Cummins, so this th- is what like, man, it's say, Cummins, 39, how's he going to go in the next test? Well, Ryan, he Harris, have to be Ryan nice Harris was talking. He was saying that if you split that up over the test, 20 in each innings, it's probably not too bad. It was just the fact that it was compressed into two days. Question, why doesn't Smudge have a bowl himself? Like, he's going to leak a few runs, but he's also got a wicket ball in him. I think Shane Warne was saying that he saw him bowl in the nets in the in the home summer, and he said he's coming out beautifully. Why does he not having an odd crack? Like he's such Well, a- he'll use this, this shoulder. He's got a, sorry, his side strain is being... A bit he's delicate. Had that, he's had that it's, knee problem but, but, too. But forget Smith. Maxwell's, as we've talked about, the spin bowling all rounder or the batting all rounder who can bowl spin. Why wasn't he given 10, 15 overs? I mean, you take off four or five overs from Cummins and five or 10 from O'Keefe, and the figures don't look bad. Lehman said that Smith's answer was that the game was on the line the whole he needed time. needed his best bowlers. And on. he needed his best bowlers to continue the pressure. But everybody has roundly said that showed a lack of. Imagination. It's, it was almost negligent the way he, he treated his bowling tacti- attack. Tactically, he's still a work in progress, man, as he does miss the trick from time to time. Given, given how well Jadeja bowled in this match, and, you know, Maxi sort of is similar shape to his delivery, it, I was perplexed. Yeah, so it was a really strange one. India declared 9 for 603 on the, uh, late on the fourth afternoon. Australia had to face seven overs. And we slumped to two for 23 at stumps. Warner got bowled out of the footmarks by Jadeja, a ball that turned a long way. Probably that's one dismissal you can't really blame him for. Did turn a long way. Quit. Yeah, he's, this is the thing that I think I underestimated about Jadeja before the series, is that he's 
an unusual offie in that he imparts so much side spin on the ball as opposed to the normal spin, which is sort of more of the overspin with a bit of, you know, spin to the offside or to the to the batsman's offside. He really can turn the ball big, can't he? He bowled a good ball to to um, Warner and a very good ball to get Smith as well. And he also got lined just before stump. So they sent an Aussie sent out a night watchman. He got bowled. Uh, that was stump. So Australia went to stumps at two for twenty three on the fourth afternoon. And Macca, we spoke on the morn just before the fifth day started. I said to you, look, I think this will be over around lunchtime, and Australia will probably collapse pretty quickly. Well, for once, I showed a bit more optimism than you, didn't I? And I'll have to say, I was right. I thought we could, you know, get ahead of the game, get ahead of them, and we did. What about you, Joe? Uh, man, um, you should have called me. I, I said that we'd be four down and save the test to anyone who asked. <laughs> well done. <laughs> so um, early on, I just want to point out the heroes because to give you an idea of what an achievement Australia did do, only seven times before had a team batted for more than 75 overs on the fifth day to save a test in India. So it's not something that's easy to do. Matty Renshaw, 15 off 84 balls. 84 balls is 14 overs of cricket he, he churned through. Smith, 21 off 68. That really stopped the rot early on that fifth day. But then it was Sean Marsh and Peter Hanskin played two amazing innings for Australia. Spellbinding, showed grit, determination, Patience, Sean Marsh, 53 off 197 balls. Hanscom, 72 not out of 200 balls. I mean, can you ask for anything more? And Sean Marsh having to play the spinners out of those footmarks to look so assured. He really not put all the doubters in the closet. You know, yeah, in all seriousness, I was expecting them to run through us. And I was surprised that that the two Indian spinners didn't kind of have... Well, obviously, Jadeja took a lot of wickets in the match. But I was I was expecting Ashwin to really play a big part on that final day, and he didn't. And he didn't it was even a, bowl before lunch. Yeah, what was that well, all about? I was listening on the ABC radio, and they were saying he's off. They, the the term they kept using was off color. Ashwin's off color, and I didn't really understand what that meant. Was he sick, or was he just off his game? Well, he had a or big... was he just not bowling? Was he just being blunted? It was an unusual pitch for an Indian pitch, wasn't it? Because it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't sort of grenades on the fifth day. It was still playing okay. I'm, I'm just not sure. He, it, wasn't, it wasn't really the right pitch for his style of bowling, was it, Manners? No, and, and, and it was the outside where Judasia was aiming. That was, was the, the real danger mark. area yeah. for the left-handers. Outside the left-handers off stump. But, yeah, so I, I just don't think um, Ashwin had a good test match. He's bowled more overs, I think, than any other bowler in any season of cricket. So his shoulder must be ready to fall off. Hanscom and Marsh put on 124 runs in 374 balls in almost four hours. And really a testament to the way this young team has been able to transform its identity into yeah. that survival mode. That's so I don't think I've seen the Australian side do that for 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 years and I mean the stats back it up that that's our slowest run rate in 20 odd years but the fact that we're able to rein our game in when the last 20 years it's all about aggressive play natural game just so some some real transformation and a sort of testament to the coaching that Lehman and the boys did in Dubai well man as we probably have to go back to the debacle the low point that was Hobart and how far have we come since then I was gonna say you know hats off to the selectors I think Renshaw and Hanscom are both kind of you know if you go on character alone shown that they've been great for this side and they both in their own way played really key parts in that 
final innings to save the the test. Renshaw and Hanscom and all these young players, they'll be in India in four years touring again. This yeah. is great grounding for them. So Australia got away with the draw. The series is now one all. Steve Smith said after the game that momentum is with Australia. I agree with that. I think we are really looking so good going into this fourth test. The pressure is now in India. They have to win to regain the Border Gavaskar Trophy. Australia can play for a draw, which we won't do, but it means that we'll get a result wicket because India need to, sure. need to win. It's going to be Dara Masala, the foothills of the Himalayas. So maybe Smith and that can go and see the Dalai Lama for a bit of um, soul, getting their soul in order before the test. He's a big fan of the Dal- of cricket, the Dalai Lama, I'm led to believe. But man, let's, who, who would the Dalai Lama, the Minister for Happiness, who would he prefer out of Steve Smith and Virat Kohli? Who do you think? Who, whose side would he be on? Steve Smith, for sure. As we've said, a good role model for the kids. Says sorry when he does something wrong. I, I think the Dalai Lama would definitely be on the Australian side. I wonder if he'll be there in the green and gold for the he's, test match. He's got a soft spot for Australia after that interview with Carl Stefanovic, I'm led to believe. <laughs> but, man, do, do you really, like, I don't... I have no idea what you're talking about. I, I, you, we, you we have... Australia have the, had the momentum or had the better of that game because we held off for a draw when people expected India to steamrolls. But come, you know, the morning of the toss, the first day on the fourth test, there's no momentum. If You know, Cummins has bowled all these overs. Nathan Lyon, well, what's wrong with his finger? O'Keefe has had the, the, the innings of his life, but he has struggled since then. I, th- I think it's totally up in the air, but you're right. The pressure is very much on the home side. Yeah, but but by the same token, man, as I don't think that I, I think Virat Kohli is, as I said earlier in the podcast, of such character that he's going to he's going to get his side up for this last test. And yes, there's pressure on a billion plus people, but I, I don't I don't think that that's going to affect the Indians um, unduly. And I think this is just is this the most important test Australia has played in since the fifth test in the 2005 Ashes? I think it is. I just think Virat Kohli might be completely burnt out by this test emotionally, physically. Uh, you know, you, 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 he's it, fit as it, a fiddle. I don't think he's burnt yeah, out but physically. It's, I think it's just got to take its toll. Like, and, and But, you know, the worry is he hasn't scored any runs. His average suggests he's a fantastic player, so he's due for 100. So we'll see. The thing is, is that I, there's this impression that Virat Kohli has carried this side with his batting over the last 12 months. But you look at the numbers that the other top, the other members of the top six of the Indian side, it's a quality top six. It's not, it's not a one-man band that yeah, batting line Yeah, it hasn't been Kohli that's stopped no, Australia this tour But, but also against England, right? You know, Pajara has, has scored heavily. Karun Nair's been, you know, been Really, VJ. Yeah, VJ. So let's, let's focus now on the fourth test. I'm going to go on record and say I think Australia's going to win. I think it's ours for the taking. I think the foothills of the Himalayas are going to be the perfect conditions I, for us. This is going to be they one should of the, be. This is going to be one of the great victories on of Australian cricket history. I, We're going to beat India in India. I can tell, write it down, listeners. It is going to happen if if we can survive that third. Hopefully, test match, they didn't also write down your pre-series prediction. <laughs> Yeah, just forget that. Man, Go back and delete that. Rub it out. If we're chasing, and let's hope it's a bit greener up there, it's a bit more humid than it would be in other parts of India, but what if we're chasing 200 in the last day? We're going to clatter through their top what, order. Is, is this at the, altitude? Do you know, man? Yeah, it is, yeah. Definitely. So what is it's, al- not, it's not two. Altitude. No, it's not like they're going to be... Um, Altitude's 3,000 metres in high. What would altitude do high. to like swing? 
No, it's, it'll swing around. It really? should be a bit of the same. It's not that high. So, so guys, what do you think then about what's going to happen? Do you think Australians will make any changes? I, I, don't, I think we'll just ro- keep rolling with the same side, Menas. Well, I, one possibility, and this is what I would do, is if Nathan Lyon's don't finger... Don't go away from the mic. If, if Nathan Lyon's finger doesn't heal, and it was... It, did you see it? It looked like the Grand Canyon Menas. That I would then bring in Usman Khawaja at, at number three... And I'd play Glenn Maxwell at number six, and I would hope that Maxwell can do a lot more bowling. What are you bowling. talking about? We just talked about how Steve Smith bowled 210 overs and he didn't bowl Maxwell. And you think they're going to turn well, around and play him, him as a that, bowler? That'll force him into bowling. So I think you've I'm just good. if you just put Hanscom at number seven, or no, Hanscom stays at five. Well, who gets punted for Kawaja? No one. Lion, Lion goes. Yeah, He's saying Lion. Maxwell's going to play as a spinner. Honestly. That's Maxwell crazy goes talk. To that position. Mac is confused. Anyway. Maxwell goes to seven. You said Maxwell at six. Oh, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> There's some heavy editing going to have to be in this. So, guys, what do you think is going to happen in this fourth test? Australia or India, Joe? Give it to me. Well, I just go back to my series prediction from before that it's going to be a 2-1 Indian series victory. And I think... The incredible thing about that prediction, Macca, is no one thought that Australia would win a test and no one thought that there'd be a draw in India given the nature of the pitches. And I picked both of those things pre-series. So, Menas, was it a 2-1? It was, <laughs> the, vote, was it, the popular vote didn't reflect Joe, wasn't that. it just a new, ubiquitous 2-1 series win? You didn't name the winner. No. Did you? Well, we'll go listen to the yeah, tape. Yeah, we will. If I, if I, I love the then, then I can take credit for either one. Uh, I... I, what do you think? I, ho- I hope we can get there. I, th- I think so much is going to hinge on the toss, isn't it? And I have to say, I think whoever wins the toss is going to win the game. This could be the making of this test team. And on the back of that, we could see another Australian dominant generation. That's how big this test is. Now for the taking. We're going to win and we're going to give the big <laughs> F you to Coley when we get on that plane with the Border Gavaskar trophy. He can nurse his sore shoulder back to health, but we're going to win this series. Man, as I, I'm glad you brought up Coley again because, you know, you, you think about, you know, Stuart Fraud brought, brought such anger out in the crowds here when um, he last toured here. And I just wonder what sort of response Coley's going to generate from Australian crowds when India next out here. And, I, and I'd love you to tell me, you know, obviously Douglas Jardine, because of Bodyline, is the most despised, loathed visiting captain of all time. But how far will Coley be behind him? Or is Coley on par with him? I think Coley's story is still to be written. That's the thing. And as it's tracking at the moment... This series is looking worse and worse. Will that be the pattern for the rest of his career? Will he just keep going unchecked through international cricket? Or will someone rein him in? But at this stage, it's hard to hate anyone more than Jardine. I mean, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't even yeah. around, and I, I hate him. Can I just... Leave I, our I've bloody got, flies alone. I've got alone. a slightly different view on this. I think, like, as Australians, we don't have a monopoly on aggressive cricket, nor do we have a monopoly on being asserting yourself in the middle. And I, I have a begrudging respect for Virat Kohli. And that doesn't... Misdirected. That, that doesn't change on the basis of this series. So the fourth test starts in Dharamasala this Saturday night. I can't wait. It's going to be a big victory for Australia. And before we move on with the show and get on to read and react, I just want to remind everyone about the Have A Go Your Mug promotion. This is the last week of the Have A Go Your Mug promotion. So this is your last opportunity to get your review and entry in for a Have A Go Your Mug mug. 
the Australian Cricket Podcast's final panel show for the season is next week, and then we move on to an interview-style show for a few weeks. So get your entry in for the Have A Go Your Mug promotion. And we have four entries since the last show. We have three from the American iTunes. We're taking America by storm. We've got Iceberg, Deep Panoo, and Roden USA. And then we've got one in Australia, which I think is a friend of Macca's. It's 828LMO. Anyway, so we've got four entries. Joe, you, you a can... A fan, not a friend. Well, you said something... Well, we'll see if it comes out. Anyway, you, Matt, Joe, you can pull out the winner and read it out. I've uh, reached into the mug, and the winner of the Have A Go You Mug promotion is none other than Iceberg Manners. And, um, well done. They tell me that these comments are only the tip of his feelings about the Australian Cricket Podcast. <laughs> Good joke. Now read it out. Really good, as it turns out. My favourite cricket podcast for my favourite cricket team. A great balance of humour and insight. This show has it all. Keep up the great work and bring on the third test. Thank you very much for that Thank you very much for the email. And yeah, the review I was talking about from 828LMO was five stars. It's not the same without Macca. What's going on with the popular vote? Have you got all your friends? Got some fans out there, man, as it seems. Thank you. I'm humble. So, uh, send me your address, uh, Iceberg, and I'll send you. Have a go, your mug mug. Now, let's get on with Read and React, because the Australian and Indian media are at loggerheads in the press boxes over in India. There must be some barbs being thrown each some other. Argy bargy. Let's start with Sun- Sunil Gavaskar, the respected... Little Sunny. Respected who, who, who Maddie, who, Indian commentator. Who Matty Hayden is calling Sunny Boy. I don't know how well that goes down in India. Well, this is what he said in response to that. Sunny Boy. This is what he said. We should not bother too much about the Australian media and what they write as they are an extension of their cricket team support staff. Gavaskar told NDTV yesterday. Well, that is a very serious claim. Menace. As you know, many of the journos over there are friends of ours. You're, ben Horn's <laughs> been on the show. Rob Forsyth. I'm thinking of the... Layla's coming on. I'm think, Gav's over there. Well, I'm thinking of... I'm actually thinking there may be more to Sonny's comments and more substance than you give them credit for. Are there too many Australian sycophants over in... I'm thinking particularly of Gav this is serious, when I make those comments. Oh, he's such a... <laughs> Man, as, can I, I, want, I, I want to say my piece As a proper journalist, Mackie, you might have... Yeah, I want to say my piece here because, you know, I, was, I had a brief look at the phone before and trying to find what I wanted to talk about in this segment. Gavaskar is just... It's, it's just a new level of hypocrisy here. It, it's... I'm absolutely stunned. I mean, where's Ga- the hypocrisy? Well, Gavaskar, well, I don't know if he's still here, but he was a BCC endorsed commentator. I mean, he he's on he's in he's singing the party line for the BCCI. He's paid money. You know what that that scandal a few years ago? Ian Chappell refused to do commentary for them because you you couldn't criticise the BCCI. Gavaskar was paid by the BCCI to be a commentator and to be a spokesperson for them, really. I don't know if that's still the case, but it was the case. So for him to come out and make those claims that the Australian media are a mouthpiece for the Australian cricket team are just absolutely uh, ridiculous, offensive. Can I, can I just ask you, with your knowledge of, of some of the people who are over there, is it possible that sometimes they get too close to the team and then their critical eye is compromised a little bit? You know, yeah, but they're not in, talking but, about that. They're but, talking about the way the Australian media has covered this tour and focusing on all the controversies and not focusing enough on the cricket, which is a load of BS. And the, the journalists are just writing what's in front of them. 
Well, if you, I mean, I've read a lot of Peter Lawler's stuff during this series. Fantastic. He's been fantastic on ABC Radio. And he, you know, if you listen to Peter, he's always said, you know, the journos are cheering for the story. They're not cheering for one of the sides. They're cheering for what the better story is. And if Gavaskar wants to go back and read about the stories that were written in Australian side around Hobart and the debacle that that was and the hammering they copped, that, that wasn't a party line. That wasn't an extension of, you know, the Australian cricket team. Of course, Cricket Australia is because they're, you know, on the inside, but I don't think that's at all. I mean, cricket.com.au, you know, independent of, news. Yeah, arms. at the end of the day, you know, Lawler's beholden to the Australian. Ben Horn is working for the Daily Telegraph. They have to get the best story out there. They, they have to get the yarns that want to be read. They're not going to make everything all rosy if it's not. It's I just g- ridiculous. It's a complete misunderstanding, lack of understanding of how the media works. F- that's fair enough. I, and I, this is what Cheetham Narula has said, Indian cricket journalist. He was on Talk Sport in England. And this is what he said. The Australian media are doing what they do best, playing a couple of mind games, and they're writing funny stories like Virat Kohli hitting a water bottle. Narula saying that the Australian media are trying to play some mind game for the Australian cricket team. I mean, what is going on with these Indian journalists, do they think that the Australian media really think like that, that we're trying to get our side over the line? But, but Manus, can we put the shoe on the other foot? And I have, you know, in in terms of the Indian media, in terms of India itself, there's no one's been calling Kohli to account for what he's done, so... I mean, they're just singing from exactly. the Exactly, so Sonny so and all these people just want uh, some some of these great writers to just write, oh, what a great series, and, yeah. and, well, and yeah. ignore all the stuff one, that's going one on. One thing's for sure is that the Indian commentary feed that we're getting on the Fox Sports coverage is the most one-eyed I've ever heard in my... I mean, I thought... Save that, that for the commentary critique, <laughs> it's coming. And another one that had an absolute shocker was VVX Lax. VVS Lax. I mean, this was well-publicised, but what was he thinking? This is what he said at T. On, the, on Saturday of the Test match on the Star Sports coverage. Honestly, Glenn Maxwell and Steve Smith, what example is he setting to his team? This is Laxman. That's very disappointing. You can sledge, it's fine, but not mocking someone who is injured in pain, especially after what happened to Phil Hughes. Everyone is concerned when someone gets injured. Is VVS Laxman just got hit by a cricket ball? I mean, that was such poor form. Well, man, I, yeah, it, it, it's it's... Unbelievable that he made those just ridiculous offensive comments. And once again, I'll go to Lawler who wrote yesterday. He said, "I'm not angry at, at you know, I'm, I'm not going to become a you know a troll. I'm not going to get angry at Lunchman, Laxman. I am just, I just wish he hadn't said it. And I really think everybody wishes that he hadn't made those comparisons because I don't think there was an Australian who wasn't touched by the tragedy that was Phil Hughes. You know, a cricketer cut down in his prime, playing the game that he loves. You know, and there was such an emotional outpouring across Australia. Put your bats out, all that sort of stuff. And it was just, you know, for a young bloke who who'd lost his life, and for Lunchman to just use it so trivially. It's just so offensive, and I think you know Ben Horn reported today that the the um, the broadcasters has even made an apology to Steve Smith and said, "Look about the shoulder, about the sh- about you know it was an optical illusion. We highlighted it. We're very very sorry. So at least somebody has the you know the courage to say sorry, Joe. Yeah." Look, I think all this stuff has been completely blown out of proportion on both sides. I mean, I think the the cricket has been sensational and all this stuff is just on the periphery and uh, yeah, it's it's nice for it's kind of journalists get get interested in this stuff, but I don't think it's it's really the kind of main game. Oh, I think you're wrong, John. I mean, if I think if you look at a lot of news sites like the Daily Telegraph, like news.com.au, the big, big stories every day, and I'm talking across the board, not just sport, you know, yeah. they're out, out doing, 
the you know crime and stuff like married at a first sight. Scandals. Are these scandals? Are these are these dramas? Controversial. So everybody loves it. Every it's a great entertainment, and you know it's just it's just brought such a series just to life. Well, I guess we'll end this read and react with our good friend Gav Joshi, who has a a little bit of a foot in both camp: Indian born, Australian brought up. Uh, he's he's a journalist on the Australian side and also covers a bit of the Indian stuff. So he he sort of can liaise between the two, Aspiring and he explains journalist. it. You can talk. Uh, he um he explains it that there's a cultural difference between the Indians the way they consume cricket and they want more technical analysis, whereas Australians want more of the sensational stories like the Coley's grabbing the shoulders and all this. So he sees it as a cultural thing, but I think actually India have kind of got some of this wrong. They should be really focusing on what's going on because there is such drama between the two sides. You can't just narrow it down to bats and balls and runs. Well, there was some stunned silence there. Well, All right. Can I, so, so what, what are the technical things that the Indians are interested in? Can you enlighten well, Gav me? Gav was saying they like to know, you know where they put the slips and what lines they're bowling and all the, all the boring stuff that readers in Australia that, don't that, want to read well, about. But it doesn't sell newspapers and you can watch That's what the Gav said. and see that. You know? Anyway, so we'll leave it at that. But let's just say that uh, there could be some fiery confrontations in the press box in the fourth test. I think the way they should settle this is get Harsha Bogley and Gerard Waitley in a boxing match. The the lightest boxing match of all time. (laughs) Two Two librarians. Harsh is not even working on this series. But let's. Okay, you brought up the comments. The, you brought up the ABC, Joe. Waitley's not, wait, the, not there anymore. Yeah, what happened there? You came home after two tests. Yes. I think uh, it was on the back of my criticism. All right, well, let's start with the commentary <laughs> critique. Macca, you've been scathing of the ABC's radio coverage of this tour. Run me through some of your big problems with it. Oh, man, I don't know that I've been scathing. I mean, I, I, you know, oh, we, he's, he's got a bit shy no, now. We, that grew, the up microphones with, we grew up with ABC critique. And, you know, back in the day, I remember staying up late late in my bed, and I know a lot of us did it, you know, listening to the ashes on the radio. It's just, you know, brought out that bloom, that love of cricket. And I know budget cuts are part of it, but I've just, I've been disappointed with their coverage. But you were saying to me that you feel they're not actually painting a picture for you, that they just say, oh, that's bold, caught, and he's out. And you like, no idea of how... The what's happening? You can't form that mental picture. Is that yeah. Alistair Nicholson who you who you don't think does the the commentary job well, well or is a, it the expert commentators? No, there's a few guys that I just you know in the second test when I was on the way home and I was listening, I just had no idea sort of what was going on, and I just think that they don't you know they obviously they mix Miss Jim Maxwell so much, and that's put a hole in their lineup, and but I just yeah it, it doesn't speak to me like it did. It's not not it's not that fantastic descriptive commentary knowledgeable yeah. you know I, that I, once was man is it and you know i guess you know maybe i have been critical of it and it's probably just born out of my own real disappointment that i don't know they used to be well, better man i think jim maxwell did his apprenticeship under the great alan mcgillvray right Gerard Waitley didn't commentate on cricket at all before he assumed the position as the the number one caller. I don't think his cricket knowledge is deep enough. I, I, I mean, I know that sounds like a really harsh thing to say, but he's a generalist. Like, I don't think he's got the depth in cricket to to anchor the coverage. And Alistair Nicholson, similarly, I just don't think has the depth that a Jim Maxwell or a Tim Lane had. You know, even though I know Tim Lane calls AFL as well, but 
you know, those guys were just on a different level, different class of caller. Well, I've, I've got an answer to your problem, Macca, because mm. um, the radio commentary might not be that great, but I can tell it's you not. the TV commentary is terrible. <laughs> and a, a good solution to your problem is you watch the TV and listen to the radio commentary so you know what's going yeah. on. And if yeah. they don't tell that, you... That'll work, and, yeah. And you don't have to put up with what I think is one of the worst commentary lineups ever assembled in the history of commentary. Are we going to go there right now? It's commentary critique. Okay. And (laughs) what I was going to say, Joe, before you butt in again, was that for one of the best series on the field, I can't think of a worse commentary lineup than Lee, Hayden, Clark, Shastri and Gaviscar. I mean, could you get a five worst commentator? Can we just concentrate on the Australians in that lineup for a second? If Michael Clark is bad in the Channel 9 lineup when he's got, you know, greats, like um, Ian Chappell and, and, you know, those blokes around him. Bill Laurie. Bill Laurie. He stinks in this lineup. <laughs> he is the worst common... He just says obvious things or things that make him look like he was a good bloke when everyone knows that that wasn't the case. He just frustrates the hell out of me, Manners. Oh, and I just can't stand the attempts at humour. Oh, I mean, you're even giggles. funnier than Clark. You've got more <laughs> wit than Clark. And when Hayden tries to chime in with the humour, it's like the worst ever. And I would say Brett Lee's probably the what best was, of the Aussies. What was, what's this term that Hayden's using, banker? He's, you've, he says your captain's got his, his bankers up the front of the... Have you heard him say that? He said it the whole, through the whole test. He means those people you can rely on to, to score some runs. But it's just like, he's, he's horrible. Brett Lee's inane... Michael Clarkson ain't, and then the Indians. Ravi Shastri is perhaps okay when he's presenting a trophy and he's only got to deliver two sentences. But as a commentator, he's horrible manners. So we have just slammed the TV coverage. That's a smackdown. That is is really bad stuff. So get your shit together over there in India. And, uh, Who are the good commentators left, though? If well, you were going to put together well, uh, a comment... Let's not go down this road. But, but why has it got to this? Like, I mean, you know, they're obviously rolling out the same commentators through the radio and the TV slots. Shastri's doing some radio as well. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's what, what you said. It's people who will sign these contracts yeah. to say what they... Go on and just say nice things about everybody. Never criticise the BCCI. And let's, let's just say the BCCI are basically... Uh, what in, in administration at the moment someone's taking control of their finances <laughs> so it's a bloody mess over there get your stuff together we are coming home with the border gavaskar trophy and it is going to be one of the great victories in but Australian man, can cricket. i say again there were part peter law has been fantastic i think he's been a highlight for me i'd love to know what you guys think but you know he's been fantastic on the abc a peter, real highlight peter oh, i'm just saying i just think you know it's really he's, he said he's he'll fantastic. come on the podcast you don't have to suck up to him all right he said yes yeah. all right now listeners before we end this show if you want to get in touch with the Australian Cricket Podcast, we're on Oz Cricket Pod. That's A U S Cricket Pod at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at Oz Cricket Pod. You can find us on Facebook as the Australian Cricket Podcast. Remember, rate the show, review the show, get in there with the Have a Go Your Mug promotion. It's about to end. We've got like one iceberg. panel show left. This summer before the interview shows come on. So get in there with your entry. One week left. And uh, let's end this show with what's made us happy in the cricket week. I've, I've got here with the Shield finals coming up, but we'll have to talk about that in the next show. Review that. Victoria v South Australia. Uh, big domestic cricket action, but we're not going to get to no it. No time to talk about that no, classic that New South Wales lost. No time to talk about that. Yeah, it was very close. What Neville, a game. What a game. What a first-class game. But what has made you guys happy in the world of cricket? Do you want to start, Joe? Well... 
Man, as I go back to what's made me happy is that Australia is still in this series with the final test. And I don't think, you know, even the most optimistic among us thought that we'd be in this position. And, you know, more, more to the point, my series prediction is still alive. So it's a rehash. Okay, so you haven't thought of anything. <laughs> Macca, what, what's made you happy? Well, man, as I think I touched on it before, but I just think it, it, it's so fantastic to see cricket at the forefront of, you know, of news commentary of... of the water cooler tour. You there's a lot of ref- every time a lot we of, do what's made you happy. There's Go a lot on. of reference every time. Now keep going. Menas, keep going. Ma- Menas, the same thing every time. Can, can you I, said it before. There's been a lot of references to generic news by the ma- the gentleman to my right. Is there? There's some conflict of interest here. Is Macca <laughs> trying to sort of subliminally influence people to his employer? He's very sensitive. No, I, Mac, what the talk, everyone's okay. talking about test cricket and the footy season's about yeah, to start. That's, well, the footy season has started, of course, the real football. And, man, so I don't know how we're going to edit this, but what I will I say is. I never edit the end, don't worry. People are listening. Um, I guess they've listened this what, far. Bonus material. If they've what listened makes this far, me, they're going to keep going. What makes me happy again is that. Anything that makes Rupert happy. I was happy. so wrong about this series, <laughs> is that I thought Australia were going to so get. So you're just the same as Joe's. I thought I was going to get right. <laughs> All right, so I've got one. I've actually got one. Can, okay, so I'll can you what's... get Rupert? On you better have a good one because other, in this is this a rehash? No, it's not a rehash. This is actual preparation. That's why it's my show and you guys are the guests. So uh, I've spent the last hour talking. What's made me happy? <laughs> okay, so I am so happy, and this that is the a... AFL Women's Grand Final has been kicked off the Gabba by Kevin what Mitchell is this? Jr. Well, this, is, this is sexist. Where's the relevance of this? Yes. Uh, okay, so. They had the Adele concert at the Gabba. It was because were, of Adele. Just let me finish. They were supposed to play the AFL Women's Grand well, Final this made there. You happy? But Kevin Mitchell Jr. said, no, no, no. The wicket square needs to be relayed to get ready for the first Ashes test. Ooh. I cannot have a football game here this weekend. So they've moved it to another ground. So the Ashes has taken precedence over the AFL Women's Grand Final. I am so happy about that. I'm a big fan of women's sport, Joe. What did you, make, I think, who, who what did you make of Gil McLaughlin calling Kevin Mitchell Jr. incompetent? That was just <laughs> massive. And I, <laughs> I'm so glad cricket has beaten the AFL on something. And I have a vision. It is for standalone stadiums. And this is the first step. The MCG should just be for cricket. The SCG should just be for cricket. Cricket. Um, they should have you know v- boutique venues that are for each sport, and this is the first step. That is so unrealistic, man! Is it's ridiculous? How many? So well, that, what, we play ten international games of cricket at the MCG. They Imagine would, how good the outfield would mate, be. They would play that many games. The there. They would play yeah. that many AFL games in three weeks. Manners, you you were going to send, send the MCG to the break. wall. You're gonna it's gonna there's gonna be no MCG no, under that. No, it's gonna be over. Thank you. You're gonna be a rotting concrete giant. At, at the big Eddie bash is going to expand. There'll be big bash games there all season. But no, seriously, I'm happy that the. Uh, the pristine square at the Gabba has taken precedence. There are only two left. People have the Gabba off, and man. the SCG. And once again, this, this segment's just a rehash from another podcast anyway. So. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, listeners, thanks for downloading the Australian Cricket Podcast. Uh, it was a strange ending. Joe, thanks for coming back after your suspension. Uh, how does it feel to get back behind the mic? Oh, I think it was a vintage performance. Oh, you always think it's a vintage performance. <laughs> was the, the Macca, thanks for coming in. Well, man, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to be here with my fellow co-founders of From the Australian Corp, James podcast. Smith. But I still think, you know, I don't know if Joe was offered due process for that suspension. Well, we're having the annual still general meeting after this Very podcast, controversial. So we can talk about it then, Macca. Well, I, I take some 
Got your lawyer here. I take some part of the blame. I should have edited all those vulgar comments out and never let them go to air. Dennis, I think you've caving into the 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 PC police. The hypocrisy of of the next podcast being called the C word. Uh, I just think that is is hypocrisy of the highest order. There was an actual reference there about the C word being used in a press conference. I I know what it was. But but even alluding to that word is vulgar, Manners. Oh, God. Well... You agree, I'm Maka? with Joe here. I, I was aghast. Is our show about childish innuendos or is it about, what about you're the one who the analysis? C word? Well, uh, that's an you, innuendo. I'm, I hate to break it. You just it saw what C word you wanted to see. I saw cheat very clearly. You saw I'm another I'm looking one. at a C word. <laughs> I'm looking at one too. Listeners, thanks, cheat, of course. Thank you. And L- goodbye. Listeners, goodbye. We'll be back next week with the final show of the summer. Pad up for the fourth test. Australia's bringing it home. He's played no better shot than that in the whole of the series.